Hello, this is the Newborn Nurse Podcast, and I'm your host, Rachel Ramsey, RNBSN. This podcast is for expectant and new mothers and families, and we are here to share with you a list of incredible newborn resources, services, professionals, and tips and tricks. We hope the info on this podcast informs you, helps you, and most of all, eases any anxieties, gives you confidence, and empowers you to be the best parent possible. Knowledge really is power, and we are here to inform and guide you through this season with your new baby. I am your host, Rachel Ramsey. I am a registered nurse and certified postpartum doula. I have 17 years of professional neonatal and maternal nursing experience in five years as the owner of The Newborn Nurse, a Nashville-based service that provides in-home care and newborn education to new families. I hope this podcast helps each of you in some big or small way. Biggest of congratulations and thanks for listening. You've got this, Mama, and we are here for you. As a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please see the full disclaimer on our website for more details. Website is listed in show notes. Hey guys, this is Rachel back from the newborn nurse. And today we have an amazing guest. We have Dr. Paige Prather of um, Dr. Paige Prather Smiles. She is a pediatric dentist and expert in laser tongue tie revisions. Um, If you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got started doing this work and your favorite thing to do in the Nashville area. Sure. Um, And just to clarify, so I am technically a general dentist, but I see a lot of kids Um, So I have not completed a pediatric residency, so to speak, but um, I do see all ages um, just have a lot more kid patients than I, than I probably do adult patients. Um, I got started in dentistry because of my father. He he is an oral surgeon. And so I was always really passionate about surgery and um, considered specializing in surgery Um, And then just decided that the family aspect was kind of a big deal for me. I really wanted to be able to see families and form relationships and not just get, you know, implants and extraction cases. So I decided to do general dentistry. Um, I also knew that at some point I might want to be a mom. um, And so I wanted to, you know, not have to do like my dad be on call for for hours and through the weekends and all that stuff, which he was when I was little. So, um, that kind of is what drove me into dentistry. And then once I got into it, I found a whole lot of other stuff that I just didn't even realize was part of it that I, I loved and, and grew in my experience, especially as I had my own family. Um, my favorite thing to do in the Nashville area, I like going to concerts. I am not a country music fan, Um, so everybody always says that when I go places, they're like, oh, you're from Nashville country music. And they'll ask me about some popular country music artist, And I just go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I have no idea who that is. Um, but I really like going to concerts and my youngest, he's now five. He really likes music. So I'm excited to start taking him to vampire weekend and foster the people and all of my favorite bands. So you're a lightning 100 kind of a girl. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's the thing about Mm -hmm. Nashville. It's not just country music. We have a lot of genres of music here. We have gospel, we have alternative, we have rock. I mean, there's a ton of stuff and a lot of music artists live here. I know Jack White lives here, so it's not just country for sure. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, with my line of work, I deal with newborns and new moms, um, a lot of breastfeeding moms and I've done nursing for 17 years. And in the last few years, which we can touch on this, we have seen a, I personally have seen a huge increase in tongue ties. Um, so I would like to just start off talking about like, what actually is a tongue tie? Um, if you'll tell us a little bit about that and then how a mom could recognize that her baby might have a tongue tie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, tongue ties and frenulums are not the same thing. So, you know, I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in. Everyone has frenulums. We, we are born with them. We have them in all different parts of our body. Um, it's a connection point. It's an area where something was connected that as part of development, it's separated. And if there's an incomplete separation that happens, that's when we can get a tie. Um, so the tie is when that frenulum is restrictive, when it doesn't allow normal motion or the ability to, you know, do functional things that, you know, the baby or the person would need to do. So I don't know that I would say that I've seen an increase in frenulums in the last few years. Um, I've been in the tongue tie world now for about seven years and, I wouldn't say that I've seen an increase. I've seen an increase in awareness. Okay. So I think that's big, you know, for a long time we had sleep apnea, but we weren't aware of it. It wasn't a diagnosis yet. And so then all of a sudden everybody had sleep apnea. So I think to some degree we're becoming more aware of it. I think it's got, you know, a definition now it's got symptoms now that we can look for. There are people that are trained to look for it now Um, I'm sure that there's still, you know, are a lot of doctors out there, unfortunately, that are just looking at frenulums and they're not looking at the big picture. You have to assess the other aspects of the infant as well. And that was, you know, a big thing for me when I started doing this, I got into it because my oldest son, who is now seven. And so I, with him, my goal was, you know, how do I help other parents figure out if this is truly going to help their child. Cause the last thing that I would have to do is put any parent through a release that wasn't going to get a positive outcome, whether that be for nursing or for growth and development or for other things. So then I sort of went down what I now call the ant hill Cause I think the rabbit hole is not big enough. Um, but the ant hill of, you know, other courses and started learning about, OT and SLP, you know, guidelines and assessments and what they're looking at and things that they're watching for and retained reflexes and, um, you know, just all of the things that can go along with other functional issues. Um, you know, the nerve impingement that can happen um, with the hypothalamus nerve during, you know, getting stuck in the womb and different things like that. So I think you know, being aware of those other aspects is really important to prevent overdiagnosis or overtreatment. I think that there's definitely probably an increasing number. I have no doubt because if genetically, you know, which is what I see a lot, it does seem to have a genetic component. Mm-hmm. If genetically it's passed on and now we have ways to help our babies survive, which is great, then it's going to become a more common trait because that trait is not going to be naturally selected out for anymore. You know, we're not going to have babies that can't even can't survive and can't make it. Um, 
so, you know, I think over time, it, it's not something that's going away. You know, it, it may become more of a common thing that we look for, um, which is good. It's just hard because everybody's got different levels of training or maybe no training on the other aspects beyond the surgical side of things. Um, and that makes it difficult. Yeah. Um, talking about a tongue tie, cause some people have never even heard of one or don't really know what one is. So there's a little piece of tissue under your tongue and some babies are born where it is attached almost to the tip of the tongue and it prevents them from being able to, you can probably explain this way better than me, but it prevents them from being able to latch correctly on a breast or bottle. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess, I think correct me if I'm wrong. It can also uh, interfere with, um, chewing speech and swallowing as they get older. So it isn't just a nursing thing, if that's correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I and didn't know this chewing speech and swallow helps their development. So uh, if they're absolutely. chewing incorrectly, swallowing incorrectly, speaking incorrectly, then that palate and the floor of the nasal passages and all of that can develop compromised. Right. And I didn't know this. You actually did a revision on a few friends of mine's children. And then my niece, um, as a nurse, I knew that there was the piece of tissue underneath the tongue tie, but I didn't know until my niece saw you that there were other ligaments in the mouth or pieces of tissue, which were the cheek ties, the upper lip ties. So there are a bunch of features in the mouth that can be affected. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the really boring world of anatomy and and, and embryonic development, um, you know, a lot of those structures start off connected. So, you know, the upper lip and the jaw are one initially, and then through a process of apoptosis, they have a period that they become separate structures. And so same thing with the tongue and the floor of the mouth, and we can have frenulums and, you know, the cheek areas, upper and lower, as well as lower lip. Um, and in the dental world, we've, you know, treated these areas forever, really, you know, as long as I can remember. And my dad's been in dentistry for much longer than me, but it was always for like gum recession, dental issues, you know, space between the front teeth or, um, you know, the muscular pool created recession that caused bone loss around the teeth and food to accumulate in cavities on the root surface. So we treated for a long time for those issues, but that was really just kind of late stage treatment. Mm -hmm. um, and what we're now kind of recognizing and realizing is that all of these other factors um, that come into play when these things are not functioning correctly um, can affect kids' development and growth mm -hmm. and um, function for, for the long haul, not mm -hmm. just early on in nursing relationships. Yeah. Um, and so those little pieces of tissue, you know, a lot of times parents will ask me, well, how bad is my, my little one's tie? You know, how severe is this? Where would, how would you categorize it? What is, what is the rating of the tie? Um, and that's one thing that's been interesting to me as a practitioner, as I've watched kids and, and seen how they respond to, treatment, sometimes what you would look at and categorize as the really severe tie, those kids don't necessarily improve way more than the kids that would have, you know, like a, a type mm. four all the way at the back of the tongue tie, which you might consider or think of as less severe. Sometimes those kids with that all the way at the back of the tongue type four tie have tremendous improvement. Um, so I think it's because there's a bigger picture 
that tie is what we can see, what we can visualize. But then behind the tongue, we have airway space. And if that tongue tie is causing the tongue to stay back in that airway space more, if that airway space is compromised, then even if it's maybe a more slightly restrictive tie, that slight compromise of the airway space becomes a bigger issue for the kid. Um, and that we see that a lot in our older kids that we treat, you know, the airway can become such a huge issue for them because they're snoring, you know, as kids, which kids yeah. should never snore. They're having sleep disordered breathing episodes, which are leading to behavioral issues or trouble in school and other things. Um, and that's what I always tell parents, you know, as a mom, that, you know, I wanted to breastfeed my, my kids. That was a goal. Um, but in my mind, the bigger picture is that growth and development and mm -hmm. the effect that that oxygen level has on the brain as they're in those really impressionable early years of brain development. Absolutely. Um, and that is great to look at the big picture, not just the newborn phase. Uh, a lot of our moms, you know, are moms of newborns. So if someone does have a newborn, can you speak about mm -hmm. some signs and symptoms that would indicate that they have um, a tie somewhere in the mouth? Yeah. So, I mean, first step obviously is to get some lactation support and, and make sure that we rule out a lot of the other issues that could be causing, you know, some of the symptoms. Um, but, you know, it's normal for a newborn to eat a little more frequently. I would say it's unusual for them to need to feed every hour and not seem satisfied. So the babies that are really just ravenously hungry and never satisfied and moms feel like it's a full-time job to feed them. Um, you know, that's kind of an indicator or a sign that there may be an, an issue functionally. Um, and there may be a tie, um, gas mm -hmm. reflux, like symptoms. I see babies all the time that come in on reflux medications, even at two weeks old, um, I had one the other day that came in on two different reflux meds at two weeks Wow! and it wasn't helping. It wasn't doing anything. And the baby didn't really have true reflux. They had air aphasia. Structural, so not <laughs> they're Yeah. They're yeah. getting air when they're yeah. eating that air has got to come back out. It's kind of better if it comes out the top than the bottom, because otherwise it creates all kinds of digestive upset. But, um, you know, those, those two are probably the top causes. Um, ways to know the baby is getting air is the sounds, you know, if we have some clicking, um, my, my oldest, I would not have told you clicked. Um, the best way I can describe it is he made a piggy noise <laughs> when he was nursing. Um, so the click is not always what it might seem, but it's basically just a break of suction with their tongue, either in the front or the back. Um, what I gradually realized was he was losing suction at the back of his tongue, which is why it sounded funny and different. Um, but he got lots and lots of air and he was very upset by the end of the day. We had a really severe witching period because he just had so much air in his poor little belly. Um, and then that led to a lot of, you know, food sensitivities and constipation. And so, you know, sometimes the dairy sensitivity or the dairy allergy isn't always the cause, it could be that, you know, we may have some air getting in there that's causing that. So babies that are told, you know, well, they have a, a dairy allergy, you need to switch or eliminate or whatever. Maybe that's the case, but I would still have them checked. 
necrotized because that's common with our tide babies. Hey everyone, this is Rachel from The Newborn Nurse. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you are learning some valuable and helpful information on this podcast. If you would like to learn even more, we have something new and exciting to tell you about. We have created our Newborn Care 101 online video course for first-time expectant parents or parents who want a refresher course in newborns. This course is taught by me, a neonatal newborn nurse and expert of 18 years and founder of The Newborn Nurse. It's so super important to make sure you are gathering your newborn information from a trusted and experienced source as you prepare for your baby. This course is a series of educational videos where you will learn everything you need to know about newborn care all in one spot without having to search and scroll all over the internet. You can take this course in the comfort of your own home and nursery with your own baby equipment and at your own pace. You can also rewatch the videos as many times as you would like with unlimited access to these videos for an entire year. Many of the families who have already taken this course have reached out to tell me how helpful it is to go back and be able to review these videos once their baby has arrived. In this course, you will learn swaddling, diapering, bathing, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, burping, cord care, how to use your breast pump and car seat, how to prevent mastitis, calm a fussy baby, and much, much more. You also get free printables, including a checklist of what to pack in your hospital bag, a must-haves product list for your baby registry, and the best part, you get free access to our Facebook online community group where you can meet other new moms and also have access to me, Rachel, for any newborn questions you have along your journey. The families who have taken this course already have raved about it and have felt it has been super helpful and allowed them to feel prepared, organized, ready, and knowledgeable about their newborn. For our podcast listeners, you can receive 10% off this course with coupon code, all caps, PODCAST, at the checkout. The link to purchase this course is in the show notes below. Thank you for being here and best wishes to you and your family. I hope you feel loved, supported, and empowered as a new parent. Thanks so much and have a great day. I think you mentioned something I shadowed you a couple summers ago. You mentioned, or I guess it was probably 2019 before the pandemic. But anyway, mm-hmm. you mentioned something about when air goes into that the digestive the digestive system of a baby, it can basically cause an imbalance in the gut flora, which I had no idea. So, like you said, yes. you might think it's a food or a dairy allergy when really it's just air, and it's yeah. you know the fix is a tongue tie revision. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, a lot of times moms don't realize that. And so they'll go through these really extreme diet eliminations, which is so hard when you're nursing. I mean, you barely have time to eat as it is. So, you know, having to really restrict your diet can become even more of a challenge. Super frustrating. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So those are definite signs. Babies that really hate tummy time is another thing, you know, that tummy time is harder for babies that have ties. Interesting. um, Because coordinating breathing, extending the head posture, those things can be hard for them. Okay. Good to know. Can you tell us a little bit about the tongue tie procedure? And also you do a laser revision versus in the hospital with newborns. A lot of the doctors just use scissors. So yours is more Mm -hmm. of a pain, less pain, um, less painful procedure. So can you just talk about the, the laser procedure, what to expect, what that looks like? Um, if a mom is listening to this and is interested in bringing her baby in for a revision? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are all different tools and there are actually all different lasers. That's something that I, um, have found that parents are not always aware 
of that fact. And so I try to talk Hmm. to patients and explain to them the differences in the types of lasers. Um, There are what are called diode lasers or hot tip lasers, which can um, generally create a lot more of an area of, um, you know, injury to the tissue. It's going to penetrate deeper into the tissue. It's going to cause more collateral damage, so to speak. So with diode lasers, we get a lot more post-operative pain. We get a lot more scar tissue development. Um, We get a lot harder recovery for the babies. Um, There are then erbium lasers and then there are CO2 lasers. So I sort of did a crazy thing one day and just decided to do my own tongue tie. And I happened to have two lasers that I was going to test out. And I just, I did the topical like I would do on an infant. We don't injection on them, but we place topical. And I did my own tongue tie. And I started off with the erbium laser, which is a very common laser. A lot of dentists have them. They're called a water laser. Um, another type of erbium laser is a Fatona light walker laser. Um, and then I switched over to the CO2 laser, the light scalpel that I use. On By the, the way, this all sounds like Star Wars. <laughs> this is kind of cool. <laughs> I feel like it's like a lightsaber. Yes, anyway, I know. And most parents think that. So just to make you a little more at ease as a parent, it is not like a lightsaber. I have to be extremely close to the tissue for it to have an effect. And if babies wiggle, I can let off the foot pedal and it stops working. Um, so, you know, I definitely on myself would not have made it through full release with the erbium laser with just topical. It was zappy. If I had to describe it, it was definitely more of a zing with the CO2. I felt nothing. So from my personal experience, I would say there's a big difference between the erbium laser and the CO2 laser. I think the CO2 laser is much kinder to the tissue. It's much more tolerable for the infant. Um, I have both lasers in my office. Like I said, I do not use the Erbium laser for babies. I only use CO2 lasers. Um, even for older kids, for adults, I only use CO2 lasers for, um, soft tissue procedures. Cause I just think the wavelength is better. Um, the pain, you know, post-operatively is a lot better. Um, so whenever we do procedures on infants in our office, we always make sure that safety is number one priority. Um, so I tell parents, you know, I will absolutely not prohibit them from coming back into the operatory. Um, you know, if they insist, then I will allow them, but I always tell them my goal is to do as quick a job as possible so that I can get that baby calmed down and back to their, you know, relaxed state as soon as I can. I want them to be as stressed out for as short a period of time as I can. And so if I have more than one patient in the room at the time, so to speak, then I just have to divide my attention a little and I go slightly slower because I'm trying to keep an eye on everyone. Um, I had a dad that passed out and hit his head pretty hard one time. So I have a little, little PTSD from that. Um, (laughs) He was not the one I thought would go down. He had been on like three home water births. So I I probably wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been. Um, But that that has kind of led to us, you know, having to be a little more cautious with parents in the room. We do have to have them sitting. They of course have to have laser eyewear. Um, and I always just kind of tell parents, you know, my goal is for you to be the rescuer. I want you to come in as calm as you can so that you can get them as calm as they can as quickly as possible. Um, and I try to, you know, 
make sure that we've got our homeopathic remedy right there immediately after we give it to the baby. Um, we do place the topical that Nate makes them numb for about 20 to 30 minutes. So we encourage moms to try to feed after, but I always try to warn them that, you know, it might be difficult with the numbing still in effect. So it's okay if the baby doesn't immediately want to latch and to feed. Sometimes we have to give them a little time for that numbness to wear off. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to throw something in here. Um, a lot of the babies you have done procedures on, we care for several days later, which we'll get to mm-hmm. the aftercare, but the tongue is a muscle and you can back this up. Um, so it can be sore for a few days cause it's moving differently than it did before. Almost like if you go for a jog and you haven't run in a long time, you're, you're going to be sore. So their little mouths sometimes aren't used to the way things move after your procedure and they can be just sore for several days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I thought was interesting when I did mine was, you know, that soreness isn't a constant. So whenever I only took Advil once the first day, right before my numbness wore off after that, I took no over the counter pain medication. Um, and I just, I kind of wanted to be aware of what I was doing and, and not pushing it too much and not making myself swollen. Um, And it was interesting to me because I really didn't have discomfort except for certain movements. So I think that, you know, to me makes a lot more sense when you think about the babies who are sleeping and then wake up and are crying. Um, You know, if I used a straw, for example, and created suction, that would elicit soreness. And I would be like, Oh yeah, that's right. I got to be a little careful. I I really, you know, stretched it and extended it. That was kind of sore. If I went to clean food off of my upper back molars on the cheek side with my tongue, that was really Mm -hmm. sore. So there were certain things that I did. And I think, you know, for babies, they're happy and sleeping and maybe wake up and stretch or yawn and stretch that tongue out. And it's like, all of a sudden they remember that that area is sore given that reminder, whereas they were pretty comfortable outside of that. So, you know, I don't think they're in tremendous pain per se. I think that it's just shocking because Mm -hmm. they forget that that happened and they don't understand. They don't know that that's, you know, present for as an adult or an older kid, we can go, Oh yeah, I had that procedure done, you know, two days ago. So it's still sore for a baby. They just, that's not something they can, can comprehend. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the difference in the laser and then the scissors. And I will say this as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I have a lot of moms who have, they think their baby has a tongue tie. They go to their pediatrician and ask, cause that's usually their go-to. They immediately go to the pediatrician. And I've seen a lot of pediatricians misdiagnose and say, no, your baby doesn't have a tongue tie when they do it happens a, a lot. Yeah. So I usually yeah. recommend them come to you're the specialist and you can do, um, what's the word I'm looking for. You can do, a um, not a referral. You can, Consultation is the word I'm looking for. You can do a consultation on the baby, look at them and actually tell if they have a tongue tie and you can actually do the procedure Mm -hmm. that day to my knowledge, if you guys are still doing that. So can you talk a little bit about the difference in, you know, a pediatrician diagnosing this um, and the fact that you do laser, they do scissors. I just feel like it's a no-brainer to pick you and go with you. (laughs) So to be honest, I'm, I do not think scissors are a bad tool. There is my big, 
concern with it is there are not a lot of providers that use scissors that do full releases. Um, there was a really great speaker, I'll is his name. I think he practices in Jerusalem. Um, he has done over 13,000 releases with scissors. That's wow. all that he has. Um, and he is the only scissor provider that I have seen do a amazingly fast, good full release. Now that was on a baby that didn't have a lot of, you know, difficult anatomy, um, and things like that. I think that can present some challenges and hurdles. Um, but I think one of the major issues with scissors is that we get pretty immediate bleeding. Um, and that immediate bleeding creates a problem for visual assessment. So as soon as you make that first initial incision, which is usually not all that's needed to do the release, uh, it becomes really challenging for the provider to determine how much additional time remains. Um, and it's a lot harder to be cautious of other anatomy in the area that can be at risk. So there are salivary ducts under the tongue, there are nerves on the right and left side under the tongue, and there are blood vessels. And it is really easy to cut into those if you can't see well. And I have seen a lot of babies that have had salivary ducts that are cut straight through. Oh my goodness. Um, with scissor releases. And yes. I think some of that is just inability to see, you know, the provider really can't visualize what they're doing after that first snip. And I think some of it can just be not, not being really, really familiar with the anatomy um, because I have trained some medical providers. I have worked with some nurse, nurse practitioners and with some pediatricians um, who were doing releases and they said, oh my goodness, I did. So we're not supposed to cut there. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Um, so that was really Ooh. concerning, but you know, that is not uncommon in the medical world. They don't get a lot of training on dental anatomy. Um, so, you know, the, that's one other concern. I think that, you know, with the medical um, provider doing releases, they would just really need to be well-trained in the oral anatomy to make sure that they're aware of those things. Cause that's not something they're necessarily going to have a foundational knowledge of. No. Um, so, you know, with scissors that that's the one risk and, and disadvantage that I see is that it's really hard to be precise without doing a, a lot of tiny cuts. And then if you do a lot of small little snips, then you end up with more bleeding and you have less of visibility. So, um, and for some of the thicker ties, it's almost impossible to mm -hmm. do a good job on those with scissors. It's really, I've seen really them. hard to isolate. Yeah. In the nursery, in the hospital, yeah. a lot of the doctors would do them. And honestly, it looks kind of barbaric. They just get in there and just literally, and you can hear it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, and I shadowed yeah. your office for the day just because I've sent so many people to you again, my niece, you did hers. She's now four and you can tell like she needed it with her chewing and speech and everything. But, um, mm -hmm. Anyway, I've sent a lot of people to you. So I shadowed at your clinic and I was just very impressed with the way y'all do things and, um, you're airtight, you do everything so well and you're very professional and I highly recommend y'all to everybody. So, um, well, you're, you're you. the best, you're the best in town. <laughs> um, can you tell us how to get in touch with you? What your contact information is, if a mom is interested in getting a, a consultation from you, um, to come in. Yeah. 
how that works? Um, our website's a great resource okay. and we are constantly adding to that. We've got new videos that we're uploading. Um, I believe there's access on our YouTube channel to my story with Jackson. Um, and then we've got lots and lots and lots of referral sources, um, just like you, who we try to keep really good communication lines with so that we can get patients to the additional support that they need. Because I think as a provider, it's not just my job to assess if the patient needs a release and, and do the surgery part. Um, I really want to help them from a functional aspect and get them to the right people who know how to help them with that. Um, other needs as well, whether that be lactation or, um, you know, therapy or other things. Um, so we have a lot of good resources on there and that's, um, www.pagepraythersmiles.com. Um, we also, of course, um, field phone calls all the time and have wonderful team members that, um, are really great at answering questions and, and helping anxious moms, um, and the phone number for our office is 615-771-2151. Um, and then, of course, we also do email. So on our website, you can get to our email address as well. Okay. So if a new mom has issues with breastfeeding, with latching, baby's gassy, fussy, reflux, any of those things, I think it's extremely wise to come in and get a consult from you guys. And if they don't have yes. one, great. But if they do, it's great to get it fixed on the front end versus I've seen some moms spend months and months trying to figure out what's going on with their baby yes. and they're sleepless and exhausted when all they needed was a tongue tie revision. And it that's yeah. that. That's it. That's all they needed. Years so. even. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely it is so much better. And a lot of parents will call and they're nervous about the procedure. By all means, there is no pressure to do it same day. You know, if parents just want to come in and schedule for the consult, absolutely, you know, start with that because I do, I see older kids all the time. And unfortunately, when we are three or four years old, believe it or not, it it is possible to make it to that age within all the way to the tip tongue tie that is very short and non-functional. And I see it all the time. Um, and we have to put them to sleep at that point. Mm -hmm. And we have to do a lot of other interventional therapy and usually expansion appliances to help get their dental health and growth back on track. So it's just a lot more involved when we have to correct at an older age and you, again, as a mom, you think about all of those years that they've potentially had disrupted sleep. And we know how important sleep is the development, um, that we just can't get back. Right. So, you know, even if your pediatrician and the ENT, they send you to, and the first lactation consultant that you see says, no, I don't think it's tie or it's a minor tie. Um, you know, just definitely make sure you see a provider who is an expert at diagnosing um, to rule that out. Um, because I see all the time babies with obvious textbook mm -hmm. ties who were told by three people that they didn't have one or that it was minor. So do I, <laughs> which is why I'm interviewing you today. I've seen it so much and I'm like, it's right there. How could you not yeah. see it? And it's, it's going to affect. I, I think some of them are just not looking. Yeah, yeah, I it's think very they just don't think it's a big deal and they're just not doing a thorough, thorough exam. Right. 
Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you for your time today. You are the guru. You have so much expertise and so many years of experience. And again, you did my nieces. So you always have a special place in my heart. Um, so thank you for all you do and the work you do. You really are changing lives here with these families. Again, you're helping them get sleep. You're helping babies. And I had a friend say once, and the babies are happy too. They they are so appreciative. I'm sure if they can speak, they'd say thank you. <laughs> so thank you for your time today. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, you are so welcome. It was my pleasure. All right. Have a great day. Thank Thank you, Dr. Prather. If you loved what you heard on our podcast today, don't forget you can learn even more with our new Newborn Care 101 online video course. This course is taught by me, a newborn registered nurse expert, and covers all kinds of newborn education, including swaddling, diapering, bathing, breastfeeding, how to use your breast pump and car seat, sleep training, and much, much more. You also get free access to our online course community, which gives you direct access to me, Rachel, for any newborn questions along the way. Our podcast listeners get a special discount, so make sure to use coupon code PODCAST in all caps at the checkout. The link to purchase this course is in show notes below. Thanks so much and have a great day. Although I am a nurse, I am not your medical provider, and any information from me is purely educational and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult a professional for your particular situation before making any decisions. My opinion about any brands we mention on the podcast is based on my personal experience and is not an endorsement about the suitability of any products for your particular need.